0: Chapter Twenty of *The Opal Serpent* by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part of the truth. Captain Jessup ate as greedily as he drank strong waters, and did full justice to the curry, which was really excellent. Hurd did not broach any unpleasant topic immediately, as he wished the man to enjoy his meal. If Jessup was guilty, this dainty dinner would be the last of its kind he would have for many a long day moreover hurd wished to learn more of the mariner's character and plied him with questions which the unsuspecting sailor answered amiably enough me and you might become mates as it were said jessop extending his large hand again and again put it there well we'd want to know something more about one another to become real mates laughed hurd oh you're a commercial traveller as you say and i'm the captain of as fine a barky as ever sailed under capricorn leastways i was before i gave up deep-sea voyages you must miss the ocean living in stowley inland it is admitted the mariner pulling out a dirty clay pipe at the conclusion of the meal and ocean there ain't round bout for miles "'and I've got a shanty there, but live respectable.' "'You are able to,' with the standby, hinted Hurd. Jessop nodded and crammed black tobacco, very strong and rank, into the bowl of his pipe with a shaking hand. "'It ain't much,' he admitted, folks being stingy, "'but if I once more,' he struck the table hard, "'I can get it. "'Do you see, Mr. Commercial?' "'Yes, I see,' replied Hurd, coolly. Jessop was again growing cross and the detective had to be careful he knew well enough that the next morning when sober jessop would not be so disposed to talk but being muzzy he opened his heart freely still it was evident that a trifle more liquor would make him quarrelsome so hurd proposed coffee a proposition to which the sailor graciously assented coffee he observed lighting his pipe and filling the room with evil-smelling smoke clears the head not as mine wants clearing mind you but coffee ain't bad when rum ain't to be had you'll have more rum later hinted hurd put it there said jessop and again the detective was forced to wince at the strong grip of a horny hand miss junk appeared in answer to the tinkle of the bell and removed the food afterwards she brought in coffee hot and strong and black and jessop drank two cups with the result that he became quieter then the two men settled down for a pleasant conversation at least jessop thought so for he frequently expressed the friendliest sentiments towards his host then matilda appeared with a bottle of rum a kettle and two glasses when she departed hurd intimated that he would not require her services again that night this he whispered to her at the door, while Jessop was placing the kettle on the fire, and before returning to his seat, he quietly turned the key. So he had the mariner entirely to himself and got to business at once while the kettle boiled. You have known this place for years, I believe, said Hurd, taking a chair opposite that of Jessop. Did you ever drop across a man who used to live here called Lemuel Krill? The other man started whatever makes you ask that he inquired in a husky voice well you see as a commercial i trade in books and had to do with a second-hand bookseller in gwynne street drury lane it seems that he was murdered and he eyed Jessop attentively the sailor nodded and composed himself with a violent effort yes said he in his husky voice so i heard but what's he got to do with lemuel krill oh said hurd carelessly it is said aaron norman was krill might have been i don't know myself was the gruff reply ah then you did not know lemuel Krill." well admitted the captain reluctantly i did he was the landlord of this here pub and a cuss to drink lord how he could drink and did so but he run away from his wife as used to keep this shanty and she never heard no more of him until she found he was rich and could leave her five thousand a year said hurd absently so like a woman you seem to know all about it mister said the sailor uneasily yes i read the papers a queer case that of norman's death i expect it was only right he should be strangled seeing he killed lady rachel sandal in the same way jessop resting his hands on the arms of his chair pushed it back and stared with a white face you know of that? he gasped. Why not? It was public talk in this place over twenty years ago. I understand you have been hereabouts for thirty years, went on Heard carelessly. Possibly you may recollect the case. Jessop wiped his forehead. I heard something about it, that there was a lady committed suicide, they say. I know what they say, but I want to know what you say. I won't be asked questions, shouted the captain angrily. Don't raise your voice, said the detective smoothly. We may as well conduct this conversation pleasantly. I don't converse no more, said Jessop in a shaky voice, and staggered to his feet, rapidly growing sober under the influence of a deadly fear. Heard did not move as the man crossed the room, but felt if the key was safe in his pocket. The sailor tried to open the door and then realized that it was locked. He turned on his host with a volley of bad language and found himself facing a leveled revolver. Sit down, said hurd quietly. Go back to your chair, Jessup, with staring eyes and outspread hands back to the wall. Who are you, anyhow?" he demanded, hardly able to speak. Perhaps that will tell you, said Hurd, and threw the warrant on the table. Jessop staggered forward and looked at it. One glance was sufficient to inform him what it was, and he sank back into his chair with a groan, leaving the warrant on the table. Hurd picked it up and slipped it into his pocket. He thought Jessop might destroy it, but there was no fight in the Mariner. "'And now that we understand one another,' said Hurd, putting away his weapon, "'I want to talk.' "'Sha'n't talk,' said Jessop savagely. "'Oh, yes, I think so. Otherwise, I can make things unpleasant for you you can't arrest me i've done nothing that may be so but arrest you i can and i have done so now tomorrow you will go to london in charge of a plainclothes policeman while i go to stowley to my crib No, i'm blessed if you do i shan't go immediately to your crib rejoined hurd dryly though i may do so later my first visit will be to that old pawnbroker i think if i describe you and you are rather a noticeable man captain jessop he will recognize the individual who pawned an opal serpent brooch with him shortly after the death of lady rachel sandal to whom the said brooch belonged it's a lie said jessop hoarsely and sober enough now quite so and perhaps it is also a lie that a man resembling yourself Tried to get certain jewelry from a lawyer called Posh. Jessop lost his self-control, which he was trying desperately to preserve, and rose to his feet, white-faced and haggard. Who are you? he shouted. Who are you? Doesn't the warrant tell you? replied his companion, not at all upset. My name is Billy Hurd. I am the detective in charge of the Norman murder case, and I've been looking for you for a long time, Mr. Jessop i know nothing about it yes you do so sit down and talk away i'll break your head cried the captain swinging his huge fist try hurd whipped out his revolver but did not rise at the risk of getting a bullet through you pshaw man don't be a fool i'm making things as easy for you as possible create a disturbance and i'll hand you over to the police a night in the village lock-up may cool your blood sit down i tell you the sailor showed his teeth like those of a snarling dog and made as if to strike the seated detective but suddenly changing his mind for he saw well enough in what danger he stood he dropped into his chair and covering his face with his hands groaned aloud hurd put away his revolver that's better he said pleasantly take a tote of rum and tell me all you know i'm innocent groaned jessop every man is innocent until convicted by a jury said hurd calmly consider me a jury and i'll size up your case when i hear all are you innocent of both murders lady rachel committed suicide said jessop raising a haggard face yes i stick to that sir as to krill's death in london i didn't touch him i swear i didn't but you saw him on that night how can you prove that very simple norman or krill if you prefer the old name took certain jewelry to pash for safekeeping shortly before his death you presented to pash a paper undeniably written and signed by the old man saying that the jewelry was to be given up to the bearer now before taking the jewelry to pash krill could not have written that paper so you must have seen him during the few hours which elapsed between his visit to pash and his death this was clearly argued and jessop could not contradict i left him quite well and hearty in the cellar in gwynne street yes in the cellar admitted jessop at what time about half-past eight say between eight and nine well what happened asked hurd smoking quietly the sailor twisted his big hands and groaned then he laid his head on the table and began to sob, talking brokenly and huskily. "I'm done for," he gasped. "I knowed it would come. No, I ain't sorry. I've had a nightmare of a time. Oh, since I' pawned that brooch. Ah, then you did pawn the brooch at Stoley. Jessop sat up and wiped his eyes. Yes, I did, but I pulled my cap down over my eyes and buttoned up my pea-jacket. I never thought old Tinker would have known me. Wasn't it rather rash of you to pawn the brooch in a place where you were well-known? I wasn't well-known. I only come at times, and then I went away. Old Tinker hadn't seen me more, nor once or twice. Then I pulled down my cap. Jessop, badly shaken, was beginning to tell the episode over again when Hurd stopped him. See here, said the detective, you say that you are innocent? I swear that I am, gasped Jessop. Well, then, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. My business is not to hang innocent people. Take a glass of rum and tell me all you know, beginning with your first meeting with Krill and running down through the death of Lady Rachel to your last meeting in the Gwynne Street Cellar. And when you know all, then I'll see what is to be done. Will you arrest me? i have arrested you don't make conditions with me man said hurd with a stern face the night is growing late and i want to get to the bottom of this business before we go to bed take some rum seeing that there was nothing for it but to make a clean breast captain Jarvey jessop wasted no further time in useless lamentation he could have smashed hurd easily enough even though there was the risk of being shot but the fracas would bring others on the scene and jessop knew he could not deal with the police therefore he took a stiff peg and became quieter in fact when once started on his confession he appeared to be rather relieved it's been a nightmare said he wiping his forehead i'm glad it's come to the law that i am i met krill as he was then some twenty-five years back by chance as you may say he cast a strange look at the detective, which the latter noted. "'Yes, by chance, Mr. Hurd. I found he'd kept the pub here, and this being no distance from Southampton, I took to running down here when the barky was at anchor. Me and Krill became great mates, and I had what you might call free quarters here. Yes, sir, it's a frozen fact.' "'Very generous of Mr. Krill,' remarked Hurd dryly, and wondering— what the man was keeping back oh he was right enough as a mate when not drunk but the liquor made him a howling dog i've seen many drunk in many places said jessop but any one who held his liquor worse nor krill i never did see he'd knife you as soon as look at you when drunk but he evidently preferred strangling hold on mate said jessop with another deep pull at the rum i'm coming to that night we was both on the bust as you may say and mrs krill she didn't like it so she got to bed with the child how old was the child maud oh you might say she was thirteen or fifteen i can't be sure of her age what's up for hurd seeing in this omission a confirmation that maud was either not krill's child or was illegitimate could not inherit the money had showed his feelings however he made some trivial excuse not wishing to be too confidential and begged jessop to proceed well mate said the captain filling another glass of rum you see the lady had come earlier and had been put to bed by the missus i never saw her myself being drinking in this very room along with krill but he saw her added jessop emphatically and said as she had a fine opal brooch, which he wished he'd had, as he wanted money, and the missus kept him tight. Krill was a judge of jewels. Traveled in jewels once, said the captain. Bless you, he could size up a precious stone in no time. But he sat drinking with me, and every now and then got out of the room, when he'd stop away for perhaps a quarter of an hour at a time. Did he mention the opal brooch again? no said jessop after reflection he didn't but he got so drunk that he began to show fight as he always did when boozy though a timid chap when sober i concluded wishing no row to get to my hammock and cut upstairs then i went by mistake into the room of that poor lady carrying a candle and saw her tied to the bedpost stone dead with a silk handkerchief round her neck i shouted out blue murder and mrs krill with the kid came tumbling down i was so feared added jessop wiping his forehead at the recollection that i ran out of doors what good would that do lord i don't know confessed the man shivering but i was scared out of my life it was raining pitchforks as you might say and i raced on through the rain for an hour or so then i thought as i was innocent I'd make tracks back, and I did. I found Krill had cut. Did his wife tell you? Oh, she was laying on the floor insensible, where he knocked her down. And the kid, Lord, Jessup spat. She was lying in the corner, with her lips fastened together with the brooch. What? cried Hurd, starting to his feet. The same as her, the same as Norman's was. Jessop nodded and drank some rum. Made me sick, it did. I took the brooch away and slipped it into my pocket. Then the kid said her father had fastened her lips together and had knocked her mother flat when she interfered. I brought Mrs. Krill round and then left her with the kid and walked off to Southampton. The police found me there and I told them what I tell you. Did you tell about the brooch? Well, no, I didn't, confessed Jessup coolly. And... As the kid and the mother said nothing, I didn't see why I shouldn't keep it, wanting money. So I went to Stoley and pawned it, then took a deep-sea voyage for a year. When I come back, all was over. Do you think Krill murdered the woman? asked Hurd, passing over for the moment the fact that Jessop had stolen the brooch. He said he didn't, rejoined the man with emphasis, but I truly believe, mister, as he did. One of them times when mad with drink, and out of the room he wanted to broach, d'ye see, though why he should have lost the loot by sealing the kid's mouth with it, I can't say when did you come across Krill again? Ho oh, said Jessop, drawing his hand across his mouth. Twas this way, d'ye see? I come round here lots, and a swell come too, a cold graxton hay said Hurd, pointing to the photograph. Yes, that's him, said Jessop, staring and i hated him just with his eyeglass and his sneering ways he loved the kid now a grown fine gal as you know and come here often in june at the end of it anyhow he comes and i hears him tell mrs krill who was always looking for her husband that a one-eyed bookseller in gwynne street drury lane had fainted when he saw the very identical brooch showed him by another cove because "'I know. Did you wonder how the brooch had left the pawn shop?' asked Hurd, very attentive. "'No, I didn't,' snarled Jessop, who was growing cross. "'I knew old Tinker's assistant had sold the brooch, and he didn't ought to have done it, as I wanted it back. Mrs. Krill asked me about the brooch and wanted it, so I said I'd get it back. Tinker said it was gone, but wrote to the gent has bought it.' "'Mr. Simon Beecot?' of wargrove in essex that was him but the gent wouldn't give it back so i suppose he'd give it to his son well then when mrs krill heard of the one-eyed man fainting at sight of the brooch she knew twas her husband as he had one eye she having knocked the other out when he was sober did she go up and see him well said jessop slowly i don't rightly know what she did do but she went up i don't think she saw krill at his shop but she might have seen that posh who is mr hay's lawyer and a dirty little ape of sorts he is ha ah, said hurd to himself i thought posh knew about the women beforehand no wonder he stuck to them and gave poor miss norman the go-by he rubbed his hands and chuckled well we'll see what will come of the matter go on jessup there ain't much more to tell," grumbled the captain. "I heard of this, and I wasn't meant to hear, but I thought I'd go up and see if I could get money out of Krill by saying I'd tell about the murder of Lady Rachel. You are a scoundrel," said Hurd coolly. "I was hard up," apologized the captain. "Or I wouldn't. Not me. I'm straight enough with in cash, so I went up in July, on the sixth of July. If that was the day of the murder, yes." i went up and loafed round until it was dark and then slipped through that side passage at eight o'clock to see krill how did you know where to find him well that hay knew about the chap and said as he did business in the cellar after eight so krill let me in thinking i suppose i was a customer he'd been drinking a little and was bold enough but when i said as i'd say he killed lady Rachel. He swore he was an innocent babe, and cried, the drink dying out of him. "'The same as it died out of you lately,' said Hurd, smiling. "'Go slow,' grunted the captain, in a surly tone. "'I ain't afraid now, as I ain't done nothing. I said to Krill I'd say nothing. If he'd give me money, he wouldn't. But he said he placed a lot of pawn things with Posh, and I could have them. Then he gave me a paper, saying—' I was to have the things, and I went to Posh the next morning and had trouble, but I heard by chance again, Jessop cast a strange look at Hurd, that Krill had been murdered, so I didn't wait for the lawyer to come back, but cut down to Southampton and went on a short voyage. Then I come here and you nabbed me, and Jessop finished his rum. That's all I know. Do you swear you left Aaron Norman alive? meaning krill i do he wasn't no use to be dead and i made him give me the jewels posh had d'ye see but who warned you of the death when you were waiting jessop seemed unwilling to speak but when pressed burst out twas a measly little kid with ragged clothes and a dirty face Tray said hurd hm i wonder how he knew of the murder before it got into the papers End of chapter 20